For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Dirt Talk Podcast, Monday edition, episode 60.5. I am one of the hosts of the podcast, Aaron Witt. And I'm Alex Horton. We have Alex Horton. And today, we have more dirt for you. Not dirt. Dork talk. Yes. You know, it's it's dirt talk. And (laughs) um, technically, I'm on vacation right now. Yeah. But I can't just tell people I'm on vacation and not deliver a podcast episode. I have dedicated to my craft. So here I am sitting on the floor in a foreign place, recording a podcast remotely. I enjoy the discipline. Thank you. It's all about discipline. It's my life's about, man. You can't you can't cut corners, you can't take days off. Where are you actually? I can't tell what you're like backed up against. Uh this is a kitchen counter. Oh, okay. Yep, I'm sitting in a, a an Airbnb in Phoenix, Arizona, on the floor because nice. there's no kitchen table or anything. So I'm I'm actually <laughs> sitting on the concrete floor right now. Got it. I was like, man, he kind of looks like he's got like some sound panels behind him. This maybe is legit, and they're actually just cabinet doors. No, yeah, this this is a kitchen counter right above me. So <laughs> this is not not the uh, the traditional studio that is my house, but uh, it'll do for today. That'll work. Yeah. Well, yeah, just just keep this between you and I, though, because I don't want the rest of the company knowing that I'm still working on vacation. I'm trying to set a good example by taking some time off. That's why I'm taking this week off to Mm -hmm. show that, hey, you can take time off here because we have a non-existent vacation policy. But if they knew I was working, does it set the right example? You know, that's that's what you got to worry about. So if you could keep that between you and I. Since no one else listens to this, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, we'll just publish it and just I won't send an email about the episode and no one will know. It's perfect. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, they can all skip this one. Uh, well, speaking of the BuildWit team, um, last week we all had probably our most close knit week as a company. Aaron, can you recap our MSHAW training a little bit? Yeah, we put the whole company through MSHAW Part 48 last week. So it was a live instructor. On the internet, uh, yeah. we did it through Vivid, and I feel like most people that have gone through MSHA training have probably experienced Vivid at some point, and uh, our good friend Carl at the Bedford Butte Mine, yep. if you've been, th- if 
you'll know exactly who Carl is at the Bedford Butte Mine if you've been through the training online. Um, so we all went through that as a company and it was about as dry as I was expecting, but mm-hmm. it was it was a very good time because most of the company had never been through any kind of training before from a safety perspective, especially mine safety. Yeah. And so it, I feel like it opened up some people's eyes to the world of safety, to how many deaths people talk about in safety training, because that's like every 10 minutes they're talking about someone getting killed. And it was actually a good time because we were all just kind of slacking each other back and forth throughout the, throughout the training. Yeah. And I, I actually enjoyed it. It was not that terrible. It could have felt like a thousand years long and it didn't. Um, I think um, between our, our constant, pretty consistently moving uh, group chat on our Slack channel uh, between the majority of the company, um, just making comments or making jokes to each other. Um, I just think it kept it light while still being really informative. Um, I think my, my biggest fear last week was that I just would, I would struggle to like stay awake. I just didn't know what to expect, you know? Um, and I thought it was great. Yeah, we did the we did the one. It's part forty eight, so it has to be a live instructor. Yeah, and it was all remote, but we still had a guy. We had Ray in our first day and a half, and then mm-hmm. Dusty in our second day and a half. And I thought they did a very nice job. Yeah, and and it, uh, the past training I've done, it has been way more dry. Or if you do part forty six, it's all just like modules. There's no live instructor or anything like that. And it really sucks. So I'm sure. I I thought it went very well, and I feel bad for the people in our company that have to do it on their own without yeah. <laughs> everyone else there because that would not be as fun. Um, uh, a couple teammates had sort of like a, a running game they were playing kind of through the the course. Uh, Jake Schmidtline had was changing his hats like every break. So, you know, he probably wore 20 hats over the course of three days. Just yep. kind of little ways to keep it moving and um, help people stay engaged. I thought it was great. Yeah, and, you know, I was conflicted at first because safety training is supposed to be very, very stern and yeah. serious because it is very serious. It's, it's, like I said, most of mine safety training is talking about fatalities and yeah. why they occurred and how to prevent them in the future. But also, I I like keeping things light and fun at the same time because it keeps you engaged. It builds camaraderie with the team. I don't think it dilutes from the importance of safety overall. Mm-mm. And our business is not, we don't really take ourselves too seriously. So I liked that it was serious and everyone understood the the severity of of what was happening and what we were discussing but at the same time it was light and we were able to enjoy it with one another at the same time and digest the information in a way that was um helpful and valuable i think it'd be really easy just to glaze over and just like let the the uh, presentations just kind of like following you and hopefully you can pick up what you can as it's coming because it's just a lot of content, a lot of information. Um, and instead, I think we found a really great balance of um, how to stay engaged and how to get the most out of it. 
So yeah. I was proud of the team. Yeah, so I would say MSHA training was successful. Yeah. And now we are, we are all technically minors according to the Mine Safety and Health Administration, even though none of us know how to do any kind of mining whatsoever. Uh, when the, the, on the first day when Ray, the instructor, asked everyone to introduce themselves, where they work, um, and what mines they're going to be working in, um, we were fortunate that you went first so that everyone after you was like, uh, and we, we work with that guy. And he's yeah. like, got it. The funny thing was, so it's like an open class. So probably, I don't know, there are maybe 25 people in it, 20. Yeah. And so say if there was 20, 18 people in the class, and then we had two classes going. 18 people in our class were build with people. And then we had like two random guys mm-hmm. that were like worked for drilling companies or something like that that were actually miners. So they seemed pretty legit and they had the big beards and everything to prove that they indeed were miners. But the rest of us were like, yeah, I mean, maybe we're going to go to a mine because like our content team, Michelle, Eric, Angel, we go out to mines quite frequently. I'll be out, I'll be out, um, one tomorrow, but most of the team does not go out to mines. Unfortunately, that said, I'm going to try to get everybody out to a North American coal mine at some point. Yeah, I mean, just all the photos from this project so far um, are just really compelling. And it, I think, um, and more than anything, I think that's going to drive um, our team to want to get to know our partners better, seeing um, just those different types of projects and wanting to get out there and get our hands dirty out in the field. Well, a mine safety is a tough thing to do remotely. You kind of need to be on a mine. And, and, and the first time, uh, like a 793 haul truck tears past you going full speed, it really cements in your mind like, okay, yeah, this is actually a very, very, very hazardous place and yeah. I do need to pay attention and you don't really get that on the internet um, so I feel like until we connect those dots for everybody they're not really going to understand mine safety and I stress that with everybody before we started like listen this is just an online course to review some basic fundamentals but you are no safer after reviewing this course than you were before yeah. without legitimate field experience seeing these operations and then I've been to all sorts of mines, but every single mine is totally different with totally different hazards and totally different ways of doing things. And so every single time you need to approach the specific mine with total humility or else you're going to get yourself in trouble. I mean, I think you're, I think you're totally right. Um, you can't learn how to drive by watching YouTube videos. No. You know, it's sort of that same thing. It's like no matter how much you'd learn in theory, that that like common sense approach doesn't make sense if you um, aren't aren't in it at any point. You know, you haven't seen it in action. But the logistical issue comes into play when it's like, all right, how the hell do I get 30 people out to a coal mine when they all live in different places? Like I yeah. can't just go rent a school bus, park it in the middle of Nashville, be like, all right, guys. Like, bring your sack lunch. Let's go out to a coal mine. Come on board. <laughs> uh, which I, I would love to do, but I still need to figure out how to get everyone onto a mine when they're in different parts of the country because logistically that's very difficult to do. Yeah. 
So well, we'll um, that's your second school bus reference in as many weeks on this podcast. So I'm thankful I've, for that. I've always wanted to buy a school bus. Are we going to be um, pro school bus on this on this podcast? I'm a big I'm a big supporter of school buses. I'm into it. I, I I've I've nearly bought one at auctions many <laughs> times over. Well, um, I think I think we can agree that the uh, safety of a old school classic school bus is questionable, but the um, excitement and value has never been higher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We we did go totally in depth on school buses. We talked about it for a minute. Oh, all right. Well, let's get off this subject because I don't <laughs> think we need to be covering that multiple times over. I think that's fair. Um, so uh, you've mentioned a little bit about travel. So you're um, taking the week off or mostly off as much as you can get away with. Yes. Technically, I am off this week. However, tomorrow I'm going to go to Caterpillar's Tanaha Hills facility in southern Arizona for fun mm-hmm. because it is one of the most fun places ever. And it's just this gigantic toy box full of really cool equipment and a really cool place with really cool people. Um, and then on Wednesday, I'm going to go check out Blunt. So we have a few people that we've hired in Phoenix that have never been out to job sites. So I'm going to go see what Blunt is doing on a few different sites and take those new people with me and show them some dirt for the first time ever, which is one of my most favorite things to do. I mean, I, I, I can definitely attest to um, you taking uh, me out with my first time on a job site. I think you were, I was just like so worried about like, I need to keep up with Aaron. I need to, um, keep moving kind of with him, but it was, it was fun to see like, Oh, you don't, you're going to enjoy this regardless of if I'm like going behind you or not, you know, or if you're working or not, it's sort of just something you love and getting people out there to experience it with you is pretty cool. It's a lot of fun bringing people out to job sites for the first time ever. And like we talk about the dirt world and moving dirt, but until you actually see what the hell moving dirt is and how much of it there is in the world, you don't have any idea what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be checking out Blunt, um, and then I will be headed home Friday. Well, awesome. Um, well, I hope you, uh, after this call, don't have to do in many other work calls. <laughs> uh, that's, that's probably unlikely, Alex. <laughs> this is all I do. And, and as far as the other team, content team, they're traveling all week. They're going to San Diego for a few days to go visit J.W. Fowler, mm-hmm. um, who has operations down there as well. And then the team goes to Texas to go visit uh, Phillips and Jordan, our first project with Phillips and Jordan. They're doing a, a reservoir construction project. I think it's northeast of Dallas. Looks like it's in um, Honey Grove, Texas. Honey Grove, Texas. That's exactly mm-hmm. where they're going. And that should be a really, really cool project. I'm a little bummed out. I can't make it to that one. But that is where they're going uh, for this week. And then it looks like uh, Jake Pico um, is going to go on the uh, Texas trip as well. So that would be exciting for him to kind of get out there with the team and um, really kind of start to see it in action, at least seeing it in action um, with our group. Yeah, Jake Pico, he's coming from... He, he, he hired on a week or two ago. He's coming from the general contractor side of yeah. construction, which is the kind of the evil evil side, as I would call it, <laughs> as sure. I, would, I would know it. Um, so we're converting him to a dirt guy and a civil guy and a mining guy 
Yep. And this is, you know, he's seen dirt before, but we really need to work hard to convert him. So he's going to go out to the, the Phillips and Jordan job as well. Well, it sounds like it'll be a good uh, first job site for him with BuildWit. It'll be a good one. And then if this one goes well, we should be visiting a lot more Phillips and Jordan down the road. And I'm very excited because they do some crazy, crazy cool stuff. Um, yeah, I, you, you mentioned a little bit last week um, just that this is sort of like a, a pilot project with them or just kind of see um, what our relationship is with them and the kind of work that we can do um, that would fill in some gaps for them. So um, kind of what's the, for you, what do you feel like is the goal um, with this first project with, with Phillips and Jordan? It's just kick-ass telling stories. Yeah. That's it. So, and Chell and Eric Angel, those guys know how to do it. So I have no anxiety or reservations or anything giving these guys the, the initial test project that will hopefully lead into everything else um, for the company. They, they know what they're doing. They're better yeah. at it than I am now. So it's exciting. I'm, I'm excited to see what they can pull off here. Uh, I'm looking forward to it too. I feel like um, I always get excited when uh, our video editor James posts a link on our Slack channel about, "Hey, here's something I'm almost done with, or I just finished. Um, take a look." And it's, you know, each new video is better than the last. They're they're doing a great job, and we are actively interviewing quite a few different candidates for editor and videographer positions. Yeah. So over the next six months, we're hoping to double the video team, double our capacity capabilities. So in theory, um, in six months, we should be able to be creating videos in two places at once for the first time ever, which will be pretty cool. That's pretty wild to think about that. It's like, we'll have a, um, you know, like a, a certain look like team in this part and a certain team in this part of the country, knowing that they're both like bringing it and um, doing great work. I think that'd be really cool. Well, at any, I mean, most weeks nowadays, we have people traveling in different parts of the country, which is pretty cool to think. I mean, we are, we are as a business spread out across the country. So everyone lives in different cities for the most part. A lot of us live in Nashville now because that's the, that's the home, home base going forward. Uh, but it, it's, it's pretty cool to see, I mean, like, like the other week, you know, the branding team was doing a workshop with Gelati Brothers in the Bay Area. I was somewhere. And then the content team was somewhere else. So there mm -hmm. were three three different things happening across the country at the same time, which is really, really cool and, and the direction we need to head in. So we're hoping to expand that team in the next few months, train those new people up, let them loose, and double or triple our ability to tell stories in the dirt world. Yeah, I feel like our company's uh, storytelling chops um, has never been higher. I feel like just we, we keep bringing on people who really understand that even outside of our content team. And so I, I think in terms of uh, really trying to deliver on our mission of making the dirt world a better place, um, I think we're hiring exactly for that. And it's exciting to see. And when it comes to storytelling, we'll never be perfect at it, which mm -hmm. is exciting. Every story we tell we can tell it better than the last one yeah and that's what i try to reinforce with everybody is like don't we don't compete with anybody else we compete with the last story we told so make sure this video is better than the last and uh everyone takes that to heart it's pretty cool to see the new the newest 
versions of whatever we're working on because like the new websites and the new designs and the new brands and the new videos, it's just, it's crazy to see what's coming out and, and crazy that I have nothing to do with it anymore. <laughs> well, that's uh that's the exciting part of growing a, growing a company. Um, all your, all your little kids are starting to do the work. They'll be freeing you up. They've left the nest. So <laughs> I'm here to just sit around and record podcasts now. That's that's your whole job. You you record two podcasts a week. That's two hours a week. I mean, it's, it's two hours. It's but it's a lot more than that. <laughs> I'm, it's, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, I know, and that's what people <laughs> think it is. But yeah. I and and I that's what I thought it was. But it's so much more work than I could have imagined. And it's it's not like I just do a one and a half hour interview on a Saturday and that's that. It's like. That's where my whole headspace is for all Saturday is recording that interview mm-hmm. until it's done, and it's pretty consuming. Well, what was interesting to notice, like for me last week, was um, I think for the most part, a lot of the team was trying to find out what like needs to happen this week so I can work that in around um, our online training course that we did. And for me, what I realized is, oh, I still have the exact ma- same amount of work just because of the you know our podcast schedule and all of that. And so it was um, definitely interesting just to see how um, what it takes to make that happen in a significantly reduced week. Um, so I know everybody's fighting with something like that. And that's how my life has been for three years with travel yeah. mm-hmm. because it's like I'll travel for four days out of the week and I need to be traveling for those four days and focused on the travel but I still have the four days of work back home that I didn't do. So yeah. it's it's nights. It's very busy. You know, if I traveled Monday through Thursday, a very busy Friday and a very busy Saturday and a very busy Sunday to catch up just to get to back to the baseline. Like it's just a nonstop battle and it does not end. So even this week, you know, I'm taking it off technically, but that doesn't mean my work is stopping and the rest of the world is pausing for me yeah. to get back. It's just, it's the harsh reality of moving as fast as we are. But that's also the fun of it. So I will gladly, uh, gladly take this over anything else. Well, I, I certainly speak for anybody else on the team that uh, I'm definitely excited and thankful to uh, be on this journey with you, man. Great. Well, um, We've got a couple good questions this week that came in. I'm very thankful for um, our listeners who sent in emails asking questions. Um, looking forward to hitting all the questions that are appropriate to um, put on the podcast. I think you know who you are if you are sending uh, maybe not safe for work type emails. We love it. I don't know that we're going to put it on the podcast. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't want to discourage. I don't want to discourage those kinds of emails because they are pretty funny. They're pretty and, good. And I do enjoy reading them. That said, we are trying to be a mildly professional production. I mean, just the lowest level of prof- professional possible. I would say lowest, lowest level. And, <laughs> and I don't think we'll ever be beyond that. But nope. that does restrict some of the things we can read on the podcast. And so with that, um, Aaron, I'll jump into the first question. Great. All right. So uh, our first question is from Stephen Hartley. Um, He asks, what solutions do you see to engaging new slash younger skilled craft in the industry? At my day job, there are a lot of great skilled workers, but the average age of our crews is 35 to 40. 
How do we get younger people interested and involved with becoming operators or laborers? Um, I mean, a lot of it goes back to the storytelling component, like we've talked about a lot. It's talking about the industry, explaining that it's not a lesser than career, showing people what the day-to-day looks like because it's really, really cool and not hard to sell. And so that's my plea whenever I talk to groups or whatever it may be is, you know, hey, yeah, we can post all the cool pictures of the industry on the internet as we want. And sure, we reach a lot of people, but until the entire industry starts to do that and until the entire industry normalizes storytelling and getting the stories out there, we are not going to win here. So first thing is tell your story, even if you have 15 people that follow you on the internet. I feel like we've already talked about this too, is maybe you have 15 people that follow you on the internet. Maybe even if it's once a month, just talk about what the hell you do as a job. Um, and then even if you're not on social media, show your family what you do, show your show your kids what you do, show your friends what you do, be, be proud of what you do and, and tell people about it because it's gonna take everybody to reverse the trend of people running off to higher education and quote unquote polished jobs and ignoring the dirt world. And then on the company side of things, it's going to take companies treating people better, training people more effectively, investing in people to turn the tide as well because the world has changed and the industry needs to change with it. So we as individuals need to tell our stories And if you're an experienced trade worker beyond just telling your story and explaining what you do, deliberately imparting what you know on the next generation, deliberately training the next generation and making sure that when you do leave one day that that next generation is ready to replace you. And then if you're on the company management side of things, try to figure out how you can most effectively train your people, invest in your people treat your people even better than you are right now because that is what's going to win long-term. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like there's maybe a little bit of, um, this is this is a huge generalization, but uh, sort of the the, the bad-talking uh, millennials, you know, like the, the young people don't want to work or they don't want to work in, in these specific ways. Um, and I think that what... Um, I'm like seeing as we work with our partners and and identify partners that are are great fits for us and that I feel like we're great fits with them. Um, our companies that are starting to say like you know we we value our workforce that has um, been in this industry for 30, 40 years, and we're also valuing um, that next generation that's coming into our business. And they see that um, there's a, a lot of value that can come from. Um, developing young people who are just coming into the industry. Yeah. And going to value, there's no value in shit talking people Yeah, and shit talking an entire, entire generation. Like what does that, what good does that do? Nothing. It doesn't, doesn't do any good whatsoever. And I, feel I can't like imagine taking a job and saying like, if, if I see a, a president of a company or whatever saying, uh, you know, young people don't have the right, work ethic or whatever it is, do they think that I'm going to say, yeah, well, I'll show you, let me come work for your company. You know what I mean? I just like, I feel like I don't understand that sort of response to that. Um, well, it pisses so me you're off. you're right. 
because it's like I'm that generation. I'm 26. Yeah. I feel like I'm busting my ass. You know, I I didn't have a problem grabbing a shovel, getting in a ditch. I I'd do it right now. I I I would love to get back in a ditch, frankly, and and just lay pipe without having to worry about stuff I do today. Um, uh, yeah, it, it it always pissed me off when people would talk shit about my generation. Say we are unwilling to work because it's like, well, hold on here. I'm working. So if we're so unwilling to work, then why the hell am I here? Like why? I just, I, I've never understood that mentality. I've been guilty of it as far as painting with a broad brush, stereotyping, talking shit about other people, put it pitting two groups against each other. It's not like an us versus them argument. And I think we need to get away from that if we are to figure this out together. Um, and, and until it's that way, it's not going to get any better. I'd agree. Um, thanks for the thoughtful response, Aaron. Um, and thanks Steven for the great question. That was good. Um, our next question is actually from, uh, Lewis lie who has submitted a pretty good question before, but, um, he sent two questions this week and one that I, I found really fascinating and compelling. So I'm bringing it on anyway. So this is from Lewis lie. He says, when you started build wit, um, and still to this day, how do you deal with the doubters and haters? I feel like I don't, I'm not all that good at answering a question like this because I, I haven't gotten a lot of doubt or I guess I have, but I've just been so oblivious to it that it hasn't really affected me and hasn't been that big of a deal. The, the biggest thing I think of are the companies that have bet against us. And That's what I was by, thinking. Yeah, by betting against us, it's, um, you know, they've, they've essentially said, we don't want to work with you anymore, which has happened a lot of times over in the past three years. And every time that happens, I take it and create a lot of motivation from it because, and I've, I've spoken very publicly about this within our team, I like it when people bet against us because it's like, great, all right, you've placed your bet. I'm going to ensure that that's the wrong bet, that you, yeah. that you lose on that hand. Like I want you to... I want you to win overall. I don't, I'm, I'm past the point where like if a company bets against us, I'm like, screw that company. I hope they eat shit and fail as a business. Like I never, ever want to go down that path because I just feel like that's bad karma for myself and our business. And you don't want to be wishing ill on people. But at the same time, if they bet against us, I just want to be absolutely certain that they made the wrong bet. So yeah. every time... Someone doubts us every time someone doesn't believe in us. I just take that and create really intense motivation from it. And that's probably been the best motivation I've had over the past three years is people that have bet against us. And I do not forget about those people because that's when my really competitive nature comes into play. And I eventually want to shove it down their throat and be like, you made the wrong bet here because we are doing what we're saying we're going to do. We are making this happen, whether you want to be on board or not, and it's going to be a ton of fun. So you're missing out by not being here. Yeah, I mean, I that's think, how I look at it. I think that's the right attitude because that sort of thing makes it mostly about like you and about us. Where it's like if if you don't believe in this or you don't um, think this is the right 
path or whatever, it's like, fine, we're just going to work hard to make it succeed, work hard to um, achieve our goals and, and um, further the mission. And it's, it's like, if you're not into that, that's fine. But like, that's what we're working towards um, with earnest, you know, and, and those, those efforts are real and honest. Um, and I don't know, it's kind of hard to look down upon that, I think. Well, I'm so bought in on what we're doing yeah. and I'm so bought in on the mission and everything that's happening that someone could tell me right now to my face, wow, what you're doing is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And it's not going to change anything about how I view what yeah. we're doing. Like if they had legitimate criticisms that could make us even better, I'm more than open to that kind of stuff. And I'm more than open to disagree with people. But if they're just like, yeah, that's just dumb. It's never going to work. I'd be like, okay. And then I just keep walking because I'm so confident in what we're doing that I don't, I don't need that validation from other people to know that we're headed in the right direction. I just, I know we're headed in the right direction because of the response we've got so far, because of the, the data points we have. We, we know we're headed in the right direction. We just need to stay on it without getting knocked off. And I think we would be the ones to knock ourselves off rather than yeah. other people knocking us off. And then I guess going to negative stuff on the internet and, and, and negative comments here or there, because that always happens. I honestly love it when people are negative on, <laughs> on my social media because that just invites, that says to me like, hey, make fun. Like, like now it's open season. Like I'm not going to go mess with people until they come onto my, make, my page and make a stupid comment because then that's just an invitation to mess with them. And so I always mess with people that make really dumb comments on my page or I just agree with them. Like, Someone, we posted our office layout the other day. They're like, yeah, um, open layouts are the worst. They, they never work. And because of you know, all the experience we have, they're, they're really stupid. And I'm like, I totally agree with you, man. Like, you're right. They must be really dumb. And we're probably making a huge mistake. And then like, we should have called you first, man. Yeah. yeah you're, you're obviously way smarter than we are. And you know way better than, than us. And we probably are going to screw this one up. But I guess we'll, we'll compare notes. And when you agree with someone that's criticizing you, then there's there's nothing else to say, mm -hmm. which is super, super fun to do. I read a great quote. It was talking about um, if someone tries to, to say something like to undercut your efforts or um, your decisions or whatever, and they say it in person, um, always ask. Ask them, say you didn't hear them. What, what, ask them what they said again, because it, they either have to double down on it, which is going to make them look bad, or they're going to kind of feel shitty about saying it in the first place and either edit it or come up with a different way to phrase it. And I think that's so great. It's like, I know what you said, but I'm asking you to say it again. So you, you can, we can kind of all know where you stand on what you just said. Yeah, but the bummer is most people don't criticize face-to-face -face anymore because everyone's too uh, the people that criticize online they're just they can hide behind whatever yeah I, I just kind of feel bad for them because it's like really like you're spending your free time that is probably pretty valuable because you might have you know wife and kids at home or you're working a lot and you don't have very much free time as is or whatever so you're spending that valuable free time criticizing some kid on the internet really like that's how you spend your time I that's just that kind of bums me out for you because there's probably some better things you could be doing, but I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about it. Well, I like that attitude, bro.
so that's how I guess that's what I would say to that. Uh, well, thanks for uh, asking that question, Lewis. I, I even though Aaron said he don't really know how to answer it, I think um, it does open some good doors to what that feels like as we're trying to grow biz- business. Um, so thanks, Lewis. We'll go to our last question here. Um, this is from Alex from Maine. Um, he asked, "What is LinkedIn? I've heard it mentioned in many of the podcasts, but I've never really heard anything other than a reference to it." LinkedIn is like a professional social platform, and I've been on it since the beginning of BuildWit, and it's not—it's not traditionally known for blue-collar people, but there's a lot of value in the blue-collar world um, and for blue-collar people on there. But it's a social networking site for quote-unquote professionals. So you create your profile, talk about your experience. It's like basically your resume. You can interact with other people on there. And it's been amazing for us as far as business development is concerned because there are a lot of decision makers on there. And as I've said from the beginning, the quality of storytelling and content is very low on LinkedIn. So if we can tell really good stories on there, they'll stand out from all the junk and garbage on there. And not only, not only that, but LinkedIn's algorithms and how they display content and how their business model is structured is way different than a Facebook or Instagram. Facebook and Instagram is, they, they make money, well, they make a lot of money based on advertising. And so they prioritize how they show you stuff based on maximizing their advertising revenue. Whereas LinkedIn has a different business model. They make money based on people posting jobs and signing up for premium profiles. So it's not as bullshit algorithm advertisement heavy as the other platforms, which I really like as well. So I'm a huge fan. If nothing else, it just gives us a a means to connect with more people that we wouldn't otherwise with the podcast, with Instagram, with Facebook. It's a different audience on there, I feel like. And it's a great place to show off what we do, show off our partners and win new work. I would say a majority of our partners and the work we do with them has originated from LinkedIn. So for a business, if you're not on LinkedIn, you're really making a huge mistake and missing an enormous opportunity from a business development perspective and a hiring perspective. And if you're an individual, it's just fun to meet other people in a more, again, quote unquote, professional setting on the internet that you can connect with about what they do, whether they're, you know, you're a foreman or you're an operator or a superintendent. It's more, it's people talking about work and showing off their work rather than talking about personal problems and all that nonsense that you'll see on other platforms. So there's a ton of value from a company standpoint and an individual standpoint. I really enjoy going on there just as a guy, just to see what other people are doing. It's, it's pretty cool to see the other job photos and other industry people on there sharing their knowledge. It's, it's, a, it's an awesome place. I mean, that's how I found BuildWit. BuildWit was absolutely not on my radar in, radar any other way. Um, and I think Dan had posted something um, about looking for a web developer in Nashville, and that just sort of started from there. And I feel like my um, LinkedIn community has really, really grown since coming on with BuildWit. Um, just my my networks is my network is um, more diverse than ever in terms of 
um, where people live, what kind of work they're doing. Um, so it's it's been great from a pro- professional perspective for me, for sure. It's a great place. My only qualm with LinkedIn is that people take themselves way too seriously yes. on yes. there. So if I make a joke, it just goes over everybody's head and everyone is just very serious and people have scolded me and, and made negative comments on, on my post for trying to be funny or taking myself not as seriously as they do. And I just yeah. sit there, I'm like, all right, lighten up, bud. Like, seriously, you're going you're gonna to criticize me for whatever it may be. Or it's like, we've talked about this. I think it's, there's a lot of safety people on there and compliance people on there that'll rip you apart for stuff and criticize you. And that's what I, that's what really pisses me off. It's, it's the criticism and people taking themselves too seriously on there. They need to lighten up a little bit. I think that, uh, that, that seems to be the the boundary that a lot of, not a lot of people understand. It's like um, the idea of work um, is serious and the work that we're doing is serious, but like, you don't have to, take yourself that seriously, you know, like it can be enjoyable. It can be, um, low key. It can be, um, have a lot of personality infused in it, but it doesn't have to be like someone's reading an encyclopedia on every engagement. No, like just because your LinkedIn bio is not written in third person doesn't mean it's not okay. Like you don't need to list off all your accomplishments in third person for it to be professional. Like you can still talk about yourself like a human being and talk about the stuff you've done at work, like you're proud of it, whatever it may be. But it, that's that's where I start to get a little annoyed with LinkedIn. Is all like this is the this is the proper and professional way to do it, and I sit there and I'm like, okay, like that may be your way to do it, but there's multiple ways to do it. It's not this one professional way that's the right way to do things well yeah it's not necessarily a formal platform it's a like a work in business platform like those are two different things that can exist um, independently from each other yeah and the professional world is changing so not everyone wears a a a press shirt and tie to work every day anymore and not everyone uh just punches a clock every day anymore and not everyone doesn't swear at work yeah I, I, i mean Shit, I swear at work quite a bit, and on I our haven't podcast been, even. I I just <laughs> swore. It's it's I'm out of control, and uh, it's just the the world is changing, and there's some people that just are grasping on to the old professional way of doing things that is not necessarily where the world's at anymore, and yeah. not is not necessarily where a 26 year old kid wants to call their career anymore. I think that. I don't know. I, I can agree with that, and I, I'm with you. Um, but uh, LinkedIn brought me to build with, and for that, I'm be very thankful. So, thank you, LinkedIn. Yeah. So that's our that's our LinkedIn discussion. Um. All right. So our our guest this week. Yeah, guest this one week. Alex Burnett. Burnett. Yeah. Uh, so we he was brought up on the podcast. A few weeks ago, mm-hmm. thanks to Mr. Pat Allen writing about Alex Burnett not being on the podcast. He was the only one in their group chat that has not been on the podcast. So I said, well, I don't even know who Alex Burnett is. And he probably, I probably talk to him all the time, but he's just some Instagram handle to me. And I don't have his name attached to that. And turns out 
That was absolutely the case. So I got an, uh, a, a message <laughs> from Alex Burnett the, the, the day after that podcast came out and said, hey, I'm Alex Burnett. And it's like, holy shit, I've been talking to you all the time for a very long time now. So I know who you are, you know, to the extent of how you can know someone on the internet yeah. DMing them. Um, so I asked him to be on the podcast to fulfill his his wildest dreams and to fulfill Pat Allen's request because we listen to our listeners. We are good at listening to our, to our few listeners because we yes. want to retain them. And uh, he will be on this this uh, coming week's episode of Dirt Talk. Yeah, that that's going to be a good one. I look forward to listening. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about him, but he does equipment training, which is a huge huge need in the industry and a very underserved market. So I'm excited to have that conversation with him, talk about training, get his viewpoints on that. I think it's going to be a very genuine conversation because he's not one of those polished people on LinkedIn. Yeah. Going back to what we were just talking about, who takes themselves too seriously. So it'll be a fun one. Well, I look forward to it. Um, and Alex, uh, looking forward to it, man. Um, if you've got anything else, let's hit it. And if not, um, I think we can start wrapping her up. I don't. Questions, comments, con- concerns, as always, dirttalk yeah. at buildwit.com. Just send us an email. It goes right to Alex. Um, send us your negative comments, please. We would love to read harsh criticism that we were just talking about uh, before we go to bed every night. That would yep. That's more than welcome. So whatever you got for us, and we will uh, read your questions and comments on the next episode of the the Monday podcast. Next Monday, I will be in Nashville, so we will be back to doing it normally in the BuildWit studio at my dining table. Yep. <laughs> uh, I hope that you, Aaron, enjoy um, your, your time away. Um, like I, I think I said last week, I hope it's really restorative and you come back um, Guns blaring. I, I just made a post about this. It's, I don't know. I, I, it's like, cool, I have a week off, but I didn't go into this feeling like, wow, I really need a week off. Like, thank God this is coming because I am burnt out. I'm Which is not, probably healthy, right? It, it, yeah, I, I, I guess. Or, I don't know, maybe I do want to be burnt out given all the business owner memes on the internet these days, but no, I work out (laughs) outside every single day of the week, seven days a week. I get eight hours of sleep a night. I enjoy what I do. So I don't desperately need a week off. Um, But like I said in the beginning, I'm trying to model good behavior. I'm trying to be a, a, a servant leader and try to model good behavior by taking a week off. So I am really taking one for the team this week. Well, very thankful for that. And that's sarcasm for you people that don't understand sarcasm. You know, we're, we're trying to really teach the language of sarcasm in a way that no one understands except Aaron. Um, that's also sarcasm. But yeah, I think this was a pretty good episode, Aaron. I'm, I'm glad for you taking the time while you're away. Um, I look forward to the next one. Are we allowed to rate our own episodes? Are we allowed to say that this was a good episode ourselves? Well, okay, maybe I'll take back. I'm not going to comment on the episode. I'll comment on the conversation. I thought it was pretty conversation. good. Yeah, I do I do much prefer in person, though. I will yes. say, after doing this once, I'm like, all right, I like in person. 
Yeah, it's not ideal. It's like a way to, um, I mean, I think discipline in all aspects is probably a pretty good thing. Um, but I also think like, you know, we're trying to get better at, at doing these types of podcasts too. And the best way to do it is to keep doing it. So we're, we're thankful to um, the listeners who keep listening and keep sending in questions to dirt talk at buildwit.com. Um, that's helping us get better. And um, I'm, I'm enjoying the process so far. I have heard good, good feedback. Yep. I've heard the podcast has been approved and I'm, I think about this a lot. I'm trying to make it as worth listening as possible because there are a lot of podcasts out there and if I'm going to consume 45 minutes of somebody's time I want them to get at least something out of it whether that be huh that's a good point or a nice little chuckle or whatever it may be I want to deliver at least some kind of value rather than us just sitting here shooting the shit for absolutely no reason whatsoever I think uh what we've got going for us so far, this is my own opinion, is that um, some interesting perspectives and a, a couple chuckles. Okay. And maybe that's good enough. A couple is more than I could ask for. I just want to get one chuckle. <laughs> just a single one. Just one chuckle. That's it. Um, so I guess with that, with that one chuckle from you, let's, yep. uh, let's call this a podcast. Dirt Talk episode 60.5. We'll see everybody this Thursday for episode 61. And we'll see you guys on the next Monday episode. Until then, stay dirty. Thanks, y'all.